Hi, uh, this is Mike Party, uh, associate programmer with Seafest, the Southeast European Film Festival. I'm here with George Chichery to talk about uh, his work as a documentarian. He's with Zala Films. I'm sure he'll talk to us about that. Uh, George has been a writer and an independent filmmaker since 1968. He was born in Germany. Uh, in 1948, the son of Hungarian parents, uh, he immigrated to the U.S. in 1951. He's directed some 35 films, dramatic shorts, performance films, documentaries. Uh, much of his work since the late 80s has been about mathematicians. In, uh, in 2009, he received the uh, Joint Policy Board for Mathematics Communications Award, that's quite a mouthful, for bringing mathematics to non-mathematical audiences. So, uh, welcome, uh, happy to meet you. I just want to say, you know, I was reviewing, I, I did get to see uh, your film on Miriam Mirsakani, which was oh. which was really yeah, it was really really good. It really we can talk about that. Um, but your interests, uh, although you focus on math and the sciences, your interests are broad. Uh, you know, cultural, historical, ethnology, romance, novel, romance novelists, everything in between. So I'm curious uh, how you journeyed from uh, a BA in comparative literature uh, to film production which was your master's, and then obviously your life's work now. Well, um, it, it never seemed to be uh, include abrupt changes for me. Uh, everything uh, has been, as far as I could tell, coherent, although it may not seem that way. And by the way, thank you for, for doing this. And and uh, I, I want to thank the uh, festival for doing this. It's one of the few uh, festivals that doesn't terrify me. Uh, uh, and it seems to be seems to be on a, a normal footing compared to uh, what's going on in, in the world of film festivals these days. Um, but you, your question is how how these different aspects of of my career uh, fit together. And um, I I was a student um, at, at UC Berkeley uh, uh, with a, a BA in comparative religions. Um, which is a really a grab all field, um, probably related to what was called philology in the 19th and 18th century, perhaps. And it covers history, religion, uh, literature, um, many of the arts, and also um, crosses the line into anthropology and sociology. So it's a, it's a large humanities field that allows you to dabble in all of those areas so uh, none of none of the directions I took uh, are, was unnatural to me it was it was an innovation it was all an extension of that um, I made a few films independently as an undergraduate with friends and then um, when it came time to decide on what to do in 1969 um, I went to graduate school in cinema and I'm still not sure whether that was a good idea. Uh, I got a, a master's degree in film and made a um, thesis dramatic film that if when I watch today, I can mine it for period footage from 1970, but I don't understand the film at all. It was one of those things, you know. Was... So why are you not sure that it was a good idea to get a master's degree in film? 
Um, you think because... you could have just dove, gone right into it on your own, or did you find the? I I think uh, I think the field experience at, at an early age is is critical, and I think it's the most helpful thing. Um, and I I actually um, question many of the undergraduate film programs because students are being taught uh, technical skills, um, but before they have a grasp of what content is important or interesting. And this is, uh, I think it's worldwide. There, people are going to film school and they don't have the, um, the humanities or the science background mm -hmm. to, to really judge which topics are worth are working on. Well, then as you were st starting out, did you have, it sounds like, you know, you, you were doing this pretty young age. You started your first, uh, your first films at you know, 20. Did you have, if not a clear idea, you know, the germ of, of, of a focus uh, on what you really was important to you as a filmmaker? I mean, obviously you weren't going into feature films. I mean, did you, was your, was your intent to be a documentarian? And yep. then, and then once you were a documentarian, did you have, were you thinking of a particular area of focus? I know you can always diverge from that, but I mean, were you thinking, I'd really like to get into social justice or I'd really like to get into immigration, you know, whatever it was. But no, it wasn't at all. I, in fact, I wasn't, I didn't have a plan to be a documentarian. My interest was fiction film. Okay. Oh, okay. And drama. And I pursued that for a while um, and fell into documentary. Um, it, and gradually learned that documentary is uh, is the is the poor man's uh, dramatic film. It's documentary uh, subjects don't get paid most of the time, uh, yeah. uh, unless there's a network behind the project. Yeah. Um, then uh, you know, so it's 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 a way of making films where you don't have to pay your actors, and and the stories, and it's also uh, a little bit lazy compared to drama, because your subjects are often giving you the story. They're writing the scripts for you. So, so there's some other benefits that are uh, good for poor, lazy people. Well, poor and lazy, but it's a different kind of high wire act, right? Because you don't have studio money behind you or... That's right. But or, or, or that kind of oversight. But, 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 you know, all the decisions and all the risks are really on your shoulders. Well, they, they, you may have the oversight. Uh, if you look at grant guidelines these days, that's yeah. plenty of oversight, and it's getting getting far worse than it ever was when I started out. Um, the the uh, you know the politics of uh, of, of uh, applying for a grant really often distorts a project, and uh, you know and and you you do have to um, find a way to do it um, financially, you know, find a way to survive. In my case, I had a dual career, which was print journalism. Now, um, I, I'm grateful that I, I was in film because print journalism has all but disappeared. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. one of the subjects of a film I'm, I've been five years in, um, in production on, which is under grossly underfunded. It's a, a portrait of a of a avant-garde journalist in the in the '60s and '70s, and we're hoping to finish it uh, um, sometime next year. It's called License to Tell. It's a, a portrait of the very best of the Playboy interviews, interviewers. Yeah, yeah. Named Ken Kelly, um, but I pursued a, a, a print career as a way of survival. Articles, uh, 
books, a lot of ghostwriting of uh, popular books. And uh, it, it gradually uh, turned out that the uh, that I could do the research for a documentary by being a print journalist. I could interview people, write an article, and then if that article held water, in other words, if it made sense as a story, uh, the subjects would have an understanding that I wasn't out to cut their throats, mm-hmm. might go along with um, converting that whole idea, recreating that idea as a documentary film. And I did this a couple of times. And it was a cheap way to do the research, to prepare for a documentary. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, you know, have, and show that there was a real coherent story there that was maybe worth telling. Right, yeah. And so how did you then, I, I mean, you, you could talk about these things any, any way you wish, but I, I guess, how did you move uh, to focus on math and the science in, uh, since the 80s? What, what brought you there? And you can speak about any of the tangents, or you can go anywhere with that. Well, my um, gradually through the '70s, as I as I moved into documentaries, I made a film called Hookers about uh, prostitutes. I made a film called Where the Heart Roams, which was my first feature film, uh, completed in 1987, about romance writers, uh, women who write, read, and write romance. Um, I made a film about pirates with an anthropologist in the Philippines um, called People of the Current. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, made a film, let's see, well, that came that came later. Uh, but I made a number of films about groups of people, and I realized that this was a kind of anthropology for me. Um, and I called it first world anthropology. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of going to, well, in some cases it was remote, but in most cases it was in our own society, looking at groups in our own society. And uh, uh, one of the themes that emerged for me was that these every group I was looking at was providing some escape from the horrors of everyday reality. In mm-hmm. other words, the, the romance writers were looking for a way to escape. Prostitutes were providing escape. Um, the, it turned out to be the same thing for mathematicians. Mm. And um, although I didn't know it at the time, I, I was simply drawn to, it was a, a serendipitous moment um, when I read an article in The Atlantic uh, by Paul Hoffman about Paul Erdős, one of the most interesting mathematicians of the 20th century. And um, here was a man who had been wandering the globe for about 50 years without a home, without a job, without um, any kind of um, normal income. And he was extremely popular. He went from university to university, hosted by the faculty there, uh, would sit around with the students and the faculty solving problems. He wasn't a reliable lecturer. He, um, he didn't really know how to butter his own bread. And he traveled with a plastic bag, all his possessions in a plastic bag. Yet he was one of the most sought after mathematicians in, in the world. Um, it's not clear whether he would have been able to survive with, uh, once the internet came along, because he would, move, he would, he would um, pollinate the world of mathematics with information about the other people he had just seen. Erdős lived this way for 50 years. And the article about him convinced me that a film could be made. And then we began the project uh, 
1988, and I know you were going to ask me about my uh, Hungarian background. Um, being Hungarian made it easier to communicate with him, and that's really the only advantage. And you know, I was able to um, to to make connections, so I could film in Hungary and Poland in the, um, the late 1980s. It was 89, which things were really interesting there then. Yeah, it was the end of end of the uh, the uh, Iron Curtain yeah. at that period. It was a fascinating time, but we were able to go there with a sixteen millimeter cameraman and follow Erdős around in both of those countries, um, and and finish that film in nineteen ninety three. No one, no one, really encouraged me. I got a small grant from the National Science Foundation. The rest of it was financed and a couple of other small donors. Um, rest of it was financed by Visa MasterCard. Hmm. And, uh, uh, and, you know, it was, it seemed hopeless. No one thought a film of this type would have any appeal. And um, it, it's kind of supported me since it was released in 1993. Okay. Constant hmm. interest. In, and, it, and it introduced me to um, a world of mathematicians because he knew so many people. He was so popular. Uh, a film about him brought other mathematicians to me and I've been in, I was diverted into that area by that film uh, with no plan, really. It has been one math film after another and it, it's a wonderful niche. And, and where I, is it, and how does it is, it, is it shown on mostly on college campuses? I assume it's been shown on PBS at some, so it's, it still has a life? The film is called N is a Number. A portrait of Paul Erdős. It has a very strong life, even in DVD. Believe it or not, and as you know, DVD is dying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it has a, a strong streaming life. Uh, colleges uh, show it all the time. Uh, individuals, uh, Amazon orders DVDs every month. Yeah, this and has that has the success of that helped you place other films? Well, definitely, because yeah. it, it, it it brought the, this film brought me the attention that um, you know this was a, a fertile ground with nobody working in it. That a mathematics mathematicians, you know, there are several benefits of films about mathematicians. I'll list one: it's really great to make films about people who are smarter than you, mm -hmm. um, and and there uh, there's a a social barrier, especially in this country, uh, that really um, involves a fear of mathematics and mathematicians by mm -hmm. the general public. So the mathematicians themselves are eager to communicate with anyone who will yeah. hear them. Yeah. And so I've had, I've had a, a, the good fortune to work with some of the top minds in the world who are very interested in, in putting out their ideas, sharing their ideas and, and working with someone who is trying to translate that or, or communicate it, and pass it on to the general public. Yeah. When That's I was watching, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, when I was watching the film on Miran Mirskani, um, I was just, I, I was fascinated on several levels. I was fascinated with her as a person. I was fascinated with her, 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 her journey from the U.S. from Iran to the U.S. Uh, her cohort of friends who were math mathematicians and 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 how they really supported her, what not not necessarily jealous of her. I was I was bowled over by the friendship she formed 
in the, in the U.S. with other mathematicians and how kind of reverently they spoke about her, but kind of joyously. But the thing that always gets me when I watch documentaries about math and the sciences is at that level how, how you, you know the the math is the work. Uh, the, it's like it's like the the the, uh, uh, the hand the, almost the tactile work, but there's a lot of mind creativity going on to kind of formulate to 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 just think. I don't want to say out of the box, but just think fantastically about the way the universe works, and then attack that through math. I mean, I just I just found her and her colleagues so fascinating, and so. Um, they were so humble in their own way, and they were still performing at the highest levels. So I, that was really uh, kind of moving to me. That's a very gratifying interpretation of the film, I have to say, <laughs> uh, because that's exactly uh, what I'm what I see in the people that they are they are forging um, and researching in areas that are completely unknown, and. It, it takes a lot of stamina and courage to do that because many, many people work in, in um, that kind of research and will get nowhere. Yeah, yeah. They, and most of them suspect that maybe what they're doing will not get them anywhere, and they continue to do it. And only rarely does, is there some kind of great breakthrough. And uh, I, I made a film about a man named Yitang Zhang who... Um, Worked in obscurity. He he didn't really have the best um, advice from his advisors when he graduated from Purdue. Um, he got his PhD there, and uh, worked at Subway for mm -hmm. seven years. All this time, he was working on an important problem that was really at the highest level. When he got a, an assistant professorship, assistant lectureship at the University of New Hampshire, he finished the work eight or nine years later and submitted it to, uh, to one of the most important journals in mathematics and was lucky enough to have people who understood it there to read it. Otherwise, it would have been tossed because he was nobody. Uh, and they get a lot of crank. They get a lot of crank submissions of solving important people solving important problems in their garages, and, and you know they're a waste of time most of them. And his proof was wonderful, and and the people who he was lucky enough to have the right people read it, and he yeah. is now uh, doing research at uh, with no teaching obligations at the at UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. But that's another Cinderella story where where someone persisted despite. Every obstacle you can imagine. Well, well, you must find it so emotionally rewarding, if not financially, to to kind of find and showcase these people, and then I guess I guess as you're making a documentary, you're sort of on your own level discovering really who they are and what they are. I mean, I know you go probably going with, and I'm not trying to. You, you tell me, you, you know. So you you decide to make, let's say, a film about. Miri Mirskani and 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 you know you you don't write a script for her so you don't necessarily know exactly where it's going to go but it must be incredibly worth rewarding once you have the product it it was uh Miriam Mirskani's mathematics was some of the most difficult territory I've ever had to deal with and I had tremendous help 
from mathematicians in creating the animation. Um, but uh, speaking about her and her um, her life and her impact, um, I'd like to bring up something on the screen. Your oh, sure. your sharing is uh, disabled. Okay, let me uh, just do this. I'm going to look for something that I'd like to share with you because um, there is a. Now there it should is, be all right. Okay. I think. Um, here's a picture of um, Miriam. Oh, there. Okay. Oh, yeah. We're only getting her eyes at this point. There. How's that? Beautiful. Yeah. That's a picture of Miriam Mirzakani who um, was, uh, finished her career at Stanford. She uh, died of uh, breast cancer at the age of 40. Yeah. Um, and uh, then I will share another one, which is uh, pertinent to things that are going on today um, in Iran. I'm sure you're aware mm -hmm. that there is something of a revolution going on in Iran. And here is a poster made with our film. Do you see that? Yeah, I do see that. This was made by the students at Sharif University. Uh, I can't tell you if it was last year or the year before, but she has had an enormous impact on on the um, the students at every level, high school, college, and uh, th this is this is how the film has um, reverberates from them using our our cover, our poster, and then the uh, they've made their own poster based on that. Um, Sharif University is now at the center of, uh, of uh, a lot of the action in, let's see, did I lose you? No, I'm still here. I see you. Okay, I'd like to stop sharing. <laughs> okay, no, it's funny, I, I'm just, I'm just, I just remember a piece of the film that talked about how that even the mullahs had to sort of embraced her, even though you know she, she's not wearing any headgear or anything. That that she was kind of um, she she was so big, and they were so proud of her that that uh, she's one of the few people that 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 the government would uh, allow to be uh, showcased in this way. If I got that right. Or, uh, yes, I think that is that is the case. Um, there we go. There you are. Okay. Um, so, yes, it, it's an amazing story, and and her impact on Iran uh, and the situation there, considering the fact that she was extremely careful not to not to endorse any political group or any change. Just her existence made a statement and is making a difference now. Well, it was fascinating. So uh, kind of a little bit of a segue, but so how do you, how do you promote her and the other films at this point? How do I promote them? Promote them. In other words, so, so in other words, who, who's seeing the film on Mears County? And, and, uh, you know, Mary, uh, Maryam is her con uh, Secrets of the Surface is the name of the film, by yes. the way. Um, and the um, let's see, I should I should uh, maybe share the website, although it's just you have a great website, so I would encourage anybody. All they have to do is Google Zala Films, and uh, uh, they can see everything there. Um, Zala Films, Z A L A Films dot com. Yes. Anyhow, the um, the film is being Se Secrets of the Surface 
is currently on um, uh, public television stations in the U.S. for another two or three years um, via uh, APT, American Public Television okay, yeah. Syndication. And uh, it has been on since, uh, since uh, I think, March. Uh, mm-hmm. will continue to appear. Uh, APT is a syndication service, and so... Yeah. It doesn't. Um, there's no national schedule, but it has been on the World Channel through PBS. Yeah, uh, I, I've not seen it yet. I, I mean, I've not seen it on on PBS yet. I did. I did. You know, buy it on Vimeo. Oh, uh, so yeah. So so Vimeo has been a great uh, a great conduit. Um, oh, has it? Okay. In, in, in not just for this film, but for all of the films, I've got 25 titles of, on on Vimeo. Um, and it's um, it's a second life for a lot of films, and it, I, I I can't say uh, um, enough about it. And hopefully, some giant organization doesn't buy them up and change everything soon. But yeah. currently, it's it's becoming an important um, part of my distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, I still I still have thousands of DVDs in the basement for different films. And that that has slowed down. That used to be the main uh, avenue for distributing, um, particularly with the uh, the institutional and library purchases, which are a different rate from uh, from individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, foreign some foreign television and some U.S. television, and you cobble it together. And yeah. uh, and are I, you are you uh, yourself cobbling all this together, or do you have an outside business partner or something, or it's pretty much you? I I am um, I am handling it all. Um, almost everything I I know about distribution, everything I practice, I learned from a, a wonderful filmmaker named Les Blank. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that name. B. No, I keep thinking of Mel Blank, but no, Les oh, Blank. No. Les Blank was a pioneer of. Um, documenting uh folk music in the in the south uh he lived oh. in berkeley california he, wonderful wonderful films going back to the 60s he's made 20 30 films and uh, he's uh there there are some quite well-known films and mm-hmm. without him a lot of these uh rural musicians uh particularly uh black and cajun and and uh, various folk traditions would would not be known today and Les uh, uh, survived by uh, running around the country, showing his films at theaters. He would uh, he made one film called uh, "Garlic Is As Good as Ten Mothers" about garlic, and uh, he would he would cook and he would have use garlic at, at the theater. Uh, he also made T-shirts and postcards like crazy, and he would he would sit there at the table at the, outside the theater selling his T-shirts and postcards and, and VHS tapes and then DVDs. But he never let anybody else have any rights. And my own experience with large distributors, in some cases, I have have. Uh, gone with a larger distributor which is every filmmaker wants to find a distributor mm-hmm. uh, and i i got one of the best uh with where the heart rums new yorker films very prestigious uh, their catalog uh was full of superstars from europe uh, mm-hmm. bergman uh, godard all kinds of people yeah. I, I was in great company well i got an advance and that was it you know and that's the that was the end of story uh yeah. how long ago was that was that uh, 1988 oh so it's a while ago wow. yeah and that was it you know and um it's not worth it it's uh i think it's best to hold 
all the rights you can. Um, you know, you can share through Vimeo, you can share through Amazon. Uh, if if uh, this is my advice to the young filmmakers, hold on to your property. I was going to ask you that any any advice for young filmmakers or documentarians per se. And uh, this is something that Les Blank practiced, and he made it. You know, the more product you put out, the the more significant it is that one of them will bring in five dollars this month, because you've got a lot out there. So it's your social security in a way. Yeah. If, if you're able to survive in this business. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I have built up this mostly uh, in the last 30 years mathematical catalog, and uh, it continues to uh, to support me. Yeah. Did you want to talk a little about your next project? I know you're working on the journeys of black mathematicians. Or uh, is there, uh oh, is, should I not have brought it up? <laughs> no, no, you should. You should bring it up. Um, unfortunately, next project is a, is a terrifying word to me. Um, I have seven unfinished films at this point. Seven. And, wow. And uh, Journeys of Black Mathematicians is the biggest uh, juggernaut. I hope it's not a Titanic. Um, it's a four-year project involving um, stories. So far, we've interviewed 50 people and gone to several events. And, and COVID has put um, uh, restrictions on the first two years of shooting because we weren't able to show people um, interacting. Mm groups that you know the classrooms any classroom scene we showed we shot in the last through june perhaps was always mad everybody was masked but now that's loosening up and i just returned from a two-week shoot in baltimore washington at uh howard university and morgan state in baltimore uh, it, it's it's a fantastic project there are incredible stories of people um particularly the older people who who um, navigated stellar mathematical careers um, invisibly. Mm -hmm. Nobody cared about black mathematicians. Um, they, they functioned uh, either as professors, um, as uh, employees of uh, NSA, of uh, NASA, uh, of uh, the Bureau of National Bureau of Statistics, all these organizations, government organizations, as really workhorse mathematicians, but their stories, their educational stories, and and uh, you know the things that happen to them are all fantastic. I'm learning a lot, and, yeah. and so I think I I look forward to putting this out there. We have uh, a few clips on the website, Journeys of Black Mathematicians. Again, this is a project I had I have had the good fortune to be supported on many of these things in the last 20 years by the Mathematical Sciences Research Institute, Berkeley, um, which is an independent uh, um, research facility that has a strong interest in outreach to the public. And my projects, my joint projects with them are all in that category of outreach, um, making the public aware of what math mathematics is, what mathematicians do. And when do you think this will be out? Um, we are scheduled for okay. one uh, one hour of it, January 2024. Oh, okay. Not too far. And another hour, uh, the second hour in January 2025. But we'll continue to to put things up on the website, little clips as we move along. Um, so is it, is it kind of a series then? You said the first I, I, it, it is. The, the shape is uh, somewhat loose still. Oh, okay. It's going to be at least two one-hour pieces. 
as we as we uh, work in the younger people and and see what their challenges are in finding a career in mathematics, yeah. which is, which there, as you uh, might know or may, maybe not, there are very few black mathematicians compared to the, uh, other people in the field, mm -hmm. um, and this is a constant challenge. And so, how to encourage um, uh, Latino and black students and Native Americans? to pursue careers in mathematics and science is a big, big subject. And mm -hmm. we, I'd like to mention another film that was extremely gratifying, something called Navajo Math Circles that I mm -hmm. did years ago, where a group of uh, uh, professional mathematicians uh, went to the Navajo Reservation and started an uh, extracurricular program for students. Uh, of course, parents had to bring them in and these involved long drives and um, there was that commitment, but it was free. And these students um, are most of them are now in universities. Mm -hmm. wow. And it was it was a fantastic project. Plus, um, you know, you you can't beat the landscape on a project like that. Yeah. Well, I hope to see that and and the one of the black black mathematicians on PBS in the next few years, hopefully. Hopefully, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know we will eventually, but you know, sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, our time is uh, about up. I keep getting messages from Zoom. I hope they didn't appear on the screen. Uh, that our time. Uh, no, I, I, I don't see them. So oh, good. I saw. I saw it. Probably it's, good. It's going to end. So, uh, is there, we got a, maybe a minute? Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, it's been a delight speaking well, to you. I would encourage anybody to go to your website and see what you're doing because we covered a little bit, but there's so much more. Obviously. There, there is a lot more, and um, I well, I, it's a good thing that we didn't get into um, the subject of what a young filmmaker should do these days. Because uh, <laughs> I, if I if I go on about that, I might have them jumping out windows. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to do that, maybe we can do another talk sometime. Well, that would be a subject, but it might it might cause somebody to throw me out a window. Too. All right. Well, we don't want that. We don't yeah. want that. So, George, it's been a delight speaking with you and, uh, you know, we'll sign off and you can say goodbye or whatever you want to say to your the folks who are going to check out your website now. Thank you very much, uh, Mike. I'll, I'll just give the uh, link, www.zalafilms.com, Z-A-L-A films.com. Yeah, it comes right up. I just did Zala, came right up. Thank you. Okay, thank you, George. Take care. Bye-bye.